Good evening, everybody. How you doing? Look at all of you. Wow. So cool. Why don't you give somebody a high five or 50 bucks or holy kiss, whatever you're into. I don't care, really. Well, thank you, Trevor. Thank you, Lynette. And thanks to uh, all of our hosts. It's great. You know, people have said to me, oh, this is a good little facility for the bushes. It's just a good little facility. It's, it's not even a little facility. It's magnificent. It's so cool. I've had other people say, well, like, what, why are you down here? Like, were you passing through? Like, I live in Brisbane. You don't just pass through Benalla, folks. <laughs> just saying, right? I got on a plane flew down and drove from the airport just to be with you. No other reason. Yeah, just to be with you. Turns out we have a little matter or two to sort out tomorrow, which we're going to do at the Melbourne airport, but that's only a bonus, but I'm here with you. And the uh, fact of the matter is I'm a country kid. I'm a country preacher's son. Um, my dad was the town drunk that got saved in a small town called Dolby on the, on the, the Darling Downs in, in Queensland. And he went to Commonwealth Bible College, I think 65 or 66 years ago, met my mother. And uh, I've been through all kinds of towns, parents either taking small churches or pioneering in the bush, places like Woi Woi, Mundubra, Dolby, back to Dolby. And so I'm actually quite at home. I'm actually a country kid trapped in the city. And uh, it's where I've got to be to serve God the way I have to. But um, I, I actually come alive. I'm totally alive on the water but I'm almost as alive when I get out in the bush. Seriously, uh, we happen to have ministry in Alice Springs, so that's my little escape several times a year out in the bush, and I put on my R.M. Williams and pretend I'm a real bushy just for a bit. So uh, good to see you, and thanks to everybody for being here tonight. Uh, more than that, thanks for what you're doing, leading churches faithfully in your communities. Um, I agree with Shane. Shane's one of my great mates and obviously on my national team. And... Uh, you are we, and we are you, and we are us. And, uh, you know, it, it's really awesome. And, and if I could just highlight a, one particular thing that was on the screen right there at the start. We have a national conference coming up uh, at the end of April, end of this month. Can you believe it's come around so quick? If you're a credentialed pastor, and even if you're a leader that just loves what God is doing in this nation and from this nation, I actually need you there. This is a big time for us. It's a really significant time in our nation. It's a significant time in our movement. There's things shifting and changing. And uh, I just reckon, I look across at and, and the Alcorn family, when stuff's going down, the family gets together. I need the family to get together. And just a reminder, you actually signed a thing when you got your credentials, which I ratify. You said, I will be at regional, state, and national events. Now, you're a Christian and you don't lie, so I look forward to seeing you on the, go on the Gold Coast. True story. Oh, it's a long way. Yeah, people come from Kazakhstan and England and Africa. Come on, folks. It's not that far. It's in Queensland, yeah. Torres Strait is further from the Gold Coast than where you live, and those guys come down. All right, so let's, let's just do it, all right? Let, let's just do it. If, we, if, we, if, you're, if you're part of something, we participate in something. So I've been thrilled. I got to most state conferences last year. There was 5,500 of us together, which went around to the various state conferences that gathered state by state. It's magnificent. We actually can lift our game as far as what we do nationally. Now, we're looking at ways to make you know, all of that more manageable, and uh, I am going to continue to lead for the next season because there's no one stupid enough to do it. Um, uh, not true. It, 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 seriously, you would never do this job unless you felt called to it. Seriously. Um, but when you do, there's a grace on it. And yeah, I live a big life. I've got a big church and another, this other job as well. And yet I feel incredibly blessed and honored to serve you. So let's just do this together. Amen. Get behind these great initiatives like the college, like missions. Together, we are amazing. On our own, yeah, we're pretty good. But look what we can do together. Are you good with me on that? So I asked... Um, how about putting the scriptures on the screen? But Daryl said, you're Christians and you'd have a Bible. So Old Testament, the book of Numbers, 
We count every person that comes into every youth meeting, kids meeting, Sunday service, life group, because God's got a book called Numbers. I think that justifies. <laughs> it matters. He counts the hairs on my head, which seems to be diminishing. I don't know how that happened. But the book of Numbers in the middle there, chapters 13 and 14, we're going to bounce out of most of the night because I want to talk to you about the dominant theme that's in my life right now. This is the dominant theme. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. Blind Freddy can see that we're up against the spirit of Antichrist. Blind Freddy can see that hell is, just seems like it's, it's turned up the notches. Okay, big deal. I was on the phone on the way down. Aaron was driving me, and uh, I was talking to uh, that absolute legend of Australian sport, and I think an absolute champion in the kingdom, Margaret Court. I was talking to her on the way down, and God spoke to her last week, put a word in her heart that the Australian church should fast and pray for 21 days before the federal election. And uh, I said, Margaret, we're in. Um, I said, we're just they needed to know that we're Christians in the ACC. I said, we've already called one fast this year, but we're going again. <laughs> just, just saying. Um, so um, we are going to pray and we are going to fast and thank God. Who could have believed? How many of you have been in the AOG stroke ACC more than 50 years? And you can still get your hand up. Come on. There we go. <laughs> could you have believed when we were kids that we'd have a prime minister from our movement? Mind-blowing, all right? Now, I don't care who you normally vote for. I've been in both of their offices. One's a Christian. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. Let's, seriously, I want to protect both ends of the spectrum as far as age goes, both in the womb and in the nursing home. I, 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 want, to, I want to defend the church and... Let's, let's do what we can in Jesus' name. Let's pray for righteousness in, in, in Canberra. Because your state, my Lord, gee, you got me praying. Anyway, let's move on. Numbers chapter 13 and 14. In an age where things just seem to be going crazy, we've got to make some choices. So these two chapters deal with an antidote to something that I actually suffer from. FOMO. Anyone else suffer from FOMO? I'm a sanguine. I struggle with it. FOMO is the fear of missing out. I don't want to miss out on anything. Like, where's the party? What's going on? You know, you know what? Last Saturday, we had our men's event. Like, and it was incredible. You know, somewhere sort of nearly 700 men there, and it was amazing. And, and Alex Leopai, the world heavyweight boxing title contender, I interviewed him. And halfway through the interview, I said, so you think you're tough? You want to fight? And he said, yeah. So I fought him. I've got two cracked ribs. <laughs> he fell on me. <laughs> But I'm, I'm in. I want, I, FOMO, I, want, I, want, I want anything that's going down in life. And when it comes to the life of faith, when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to what the Holy Ghost wants to do in my I have a fear of missing out. I don't want to miss out on anything God's doing. Uh, is anybody with me tonight? So I want to talk to you about a whole generation of Israelites that missed out. And you know why? Because of their leaders. Leaders, we've got an incredible responsibility to influence people down the right paths with our words, with our lives, and with our decisions. So the whole generation missed out, except for two people, Joshua and okay, Joshua and Caleb. Now, Joshua gets a whole lot of press. I mean, for goodness sake, you've got a whole book named after him. Um, so good on you, Josh. I'm going to talk about Caleb. You know what Caleb's name means? Dog. So we're going to talk about this old dog. Who knows what their name means? I, I grew up wondering what my name meant till our first son was born and Lynn bought one of those babies' names books. So I went to the back, looked it up. You know what Wayne means? Wagon maker. <laughs> Changed my life, really. 
My parents looked at me and he shall be um, a wagon maker. <laughs> Caleb, I mean, what expectations did he... So, you know, some of these great men and women of God in the Bible, their parents looked at them and, you know, you'll take nations, all these amazing... Dog. <laughs> and dog, dog actually didn't even really, really belong in the kingdom. He was kind of an outsider. But he saw his inheritance become a reality. He can teach us something. He can teach us something. So Numbers chapter 14, let's go. Verse 21 through to 24. God speaking. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, ten leaders, ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. Verse 24 is where we want to bounce out of tonight. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit. Say those two words with me. He has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. I am captivated by the challenge of living with a different spirit. You know why I like a different spirit? Because it's different. It's different to the way the world lives. It's different to the way many leaders lead. It's got a song in the heart in the midst of the night. It knows that it knows that the, the greatest call is to serve, not to dominate. It, it has peace in the middle of a storm. A different spirit rises with faith when there's great reason to fear. And Caleb demonstrates all of that and more. Caleb showed how to live with a different spirit. And I want to spend a few minutes tonight looking at the traits as demonstrated by this great man, the traits of living with a different spirit. And I know I'm speaking to a room full of leaders. As Kay's already said, every one of us in this room influence at least 10,000 people. You're a leader. Some of us influence more. All of us have a responsibility to influence people right for the cause of Christ. So here's three things to leave with you tonight about living with a different spirit. Number one, when you have a different spirit, you process information differently. Have you noticed there's a lot of bad news around? Bad news sells. Bad news. You have a look at the six o'clock news. You have a look at the front page of the paper. I was looking at the budget, and I don't even care where you vote, how you vote, or if you vote. But you have a look. I was reading some commentators on the budget today. Everybody I could read was finding something bad about the budget. And they put it on the front page because people somehow are magnetically attracted to bad news. But people with a different spirit, people with a different spirit process the information. Same data, just processed differently through a mind that's been renewed. See, in church life, I've grown up in church life. All my life, been in preacher's house. And I've watched and I've listened and I've heard different leaders respond to the same information differently. It's amazing how many leaders give up the role of serving God just because of some of the information that came their way. You know, a survey was done a few years ago uh, by, I think, Charisma magazine, and this is what they discovered. Most pastors leave their role of leading churches because of the accusations and attacks by no more than seven people. Seven bad reports, seven accusations, seven challenges will take us out. You know, you know in, in, in church life, you, the, 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 the information starts coming. Leader, you will have heard this line. You ready? Everybody's saying. 
I've done research on that word everyone. I went back to the original Greek. Do you know what I discovered? The word everyone means a maximum of four people all with the same surname. <laughs> Newsflash leader, they're not all saying it, but you start hearing it. It's really, really easy to believe it. And now we live in the age of social media, for goodness sake. Some of you are on it right now. It's a word of knowledge. <laughs> I was talking to a buddy of mine just a few months ago, and I said, why do you think so many people want to give up the ministry? He said, oh, I tell you why. They all believe the lies that all their peers are telling on social media. We all think everybody's having an awesome time in church. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> I might have told you this story, but I was in, in New York a couple of years ago. Lynn and I were visiting our friend Steve and Sharon Kelly. And he said, I'm going to take you to the New York Yankees Stadium. Went and watched the, the, the Yankees play a baseball game against the Toronto Blue Jays. Can I tell you something? I appreciated Steve taking me, but it's one of the most boring experiences in my life. <laughs> Seriously, people say cricket's boring. Really? I sat there. Most batsmen, that, batters that come to the, come up to the, whatever they come up to, <laughs> plate. Hey, three strikes, they walk. Occasionally, somebody puts a bat on it. They get halfway to first base. They get run out. This just goes on nine innings. Nine innings. Goes all day. You might as well take a sleeping bag. It goes all day. But at this boring match, one guy hits a fly ball and it goes right out in the outfield and some guy does this massive great leap in the sky and pulls one down and the crowd go nuts. We go home that night. I'm doing what every good male does. I'm surfing through the sports channels. I get to ESPN and said, Lynn, that's the game we were just at. These sports commentators start talking about this amazing game between the, you know, the, these two teams. And, you know, let's just watch the play of the day. And this guy pulls down the big catch. They go, oh. That was three seconds out of nine and a half hours. <laughs> you know, I've discovered Instagram. It's three and a half seconds out of the nine hours of church life. Everybody's got ragbag people in their church. Everybody's got a sound man that's tone deaf. Everybody's got a drummer that can't play in time. Everybody's got people leaving their church. All of their churches suck just like yours do. So stop getting all depressed about how bad you are. Start processing the information differently. Rejoice in the Lord. Be glad about the fact that you're planted. They're not as good as they're saying and you're better than you think you are. Somebody came to hear that. Good preaching, Pastor Wayne. No, that was for free. Let's face it, we, we, all, have the, we all have the capacity to process the news and information from that spirit of fear, negativity, We've got to make some choices. Different spirit. Different spirit. Different spirit is drawn to a good report. And somebody say, are you a glass half full or a glass half empty guy? I said, I'm a guy that's glad there's a glass. <laughs> Come on. Listen to what Paul said. Philippians chapter 4. He said, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, excellent, admirable, praiseworthy. Think about those things. See, that's where the data is processed. If you heard somebody tell you you've got a good heart, it's not a compliment. I know a lot of people with a good heart haven't got two functioning brain cells. See, with the heart we believe, but with the head we behave. And I, I need a mind that's renewed constantly by the Word of God, that's in the presence of the Spirit of God, that's in environments that cause me to think bigger, lift my vision higher. I want to live with a different spirit. Regarding that era that Caleb lived in, Scripture says in, in the chapter before, chapter 13, verse 2, now this is God who doesn't lie. Are we agreed on that? This is what God said. Send some men 
to explore the land of Canaan. Here's a big line, which I am giving to the Israelites from each of its ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. Millions of people, 12 people have the ability to determine their destiny. Wow. Leadership is influence. Send them out to see the land which I am giving them. You know, i got a great dad. He's 91. He's been amazing. He's a grumpy old coot these days, but I still love him. <laughs> I came home from university one day. I was 17. He says, son, I've bought you a car. I said, you happen to be the best father in, the, in town. He said, I know. I said, can I see it? He said, sure, jump in. So we go in his car. We go down the road. We pull up in front of this amazing car lot, all these brand-new shiny things. I said, wow. He said, no, none, none of them. It's down the back corner. And we went down the back corner, 1962 VW, six-volt electric system. I pushed it more than I started with the key, but that's okay. I got in this thing. He said, jump in. So I get in it. I'm 17. My father's bought me a car. This is cool. I said, can we take it home today? He said, no, mate, they just got to register it. Do a couple of things. I just wanted you to have a look at it. It's yours. My name's on it. It's paid for. I just wanted you to have a look at it. Having been through that experience, I understand what's going on in this passage. God says, it's yours. It's all sorted. Just go and have a look at it. You'll take possession of it soon, but go and have a look at it in advance. Go back and give a report. God says, it's yours. My name's on it. It's settled it. Here's what I've discovered. When my dad said, that's yours, I paid for it, I believed it. It's done. I've discovered that if I'm secure in my relationship, then I'm confident in the promises. If God said it, and I'm secure in my relationship, if he said it, that settles it. I don't have to wrestle with this issue. God says, go and check it out. So they go. It's incredible. Look at what happens. In verse 27, they spy out the land and they bring back this report of what was in that place. In verse 27, they, they give Moses this account. Could you imagine? There's around about three million of these Israelites. And word gets around. Because each tribe sent somebody. Word gets around. They've gone out and had a look. They're coming back. They're with the boss. You imagine it, they would have all started shuffling in. I wonder what they saw. Anybody here like sport? I'm kind of that guy that likes anything where a sweaty man's chasing a ball. So I, I kind of like it. And uh, I, I could just imagine, imagine the MCG times whatever, up to 30. I don't know how many was there, but it was a massive crowd. Crowds tend to get their own personality. And there's like there's this massive crowd of people, and they're there. They're just, and you can you can just hear the buzz, and the twelve tribe leaders, the spies, step up and they begin to give an account. And this is it. They said, "We went into the land to which you sent us." And it does flow with lactose-free milk and organic honey. And here's its fruit. And the whole crowd would have gone. Exactly. And they begin to talk about the grapes. You know the Bible says the grapes were so big it took two men with a pole between them to carry one bunch of grapes. Got a funny feeling they were too close to the power lines, but that's another thing. They were huge. They're saying, it's amazing. It's filled with possibilities and the crowd would have been giving each other high fives. They've been waiting for this day. They've come out of bondage, but they hadn't gone into promise. How many of God's people are like that? They've come out of Egypt, but they haven't gone into Canaan. They've come out of sin, but they've not come into blessing. They said, this place is amazing. It's filled with possibilities, and the people are getting all excited. They're whipped to a frenzy until, verse 32, the fake news starts. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. 
about the land that they'd explored. And they said, the land we explored... This, now, I, I hope you're like me. When you read scripture, you don't just read words, you see the picture. There's something wrong with this picture. The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. It devours the land, but there's people still living in it. Mm, problem. Which one is it? Told you a million times not to exaggerate. Bad report. The possibilities are amazing, but the problems are way too big. You ever notice some people have an amazing capacity to state the obvious? You've got them in your church. Music's too loud. Air conditioning's too cold. Car park's too small. Like, really, you're a rocket scientist. Anybody can state the obvious. And then they come to these conclusions. Well, we, we, just, we just can't. We can't grow. You can't, you can't, you can't. I took over a church which is one of the oldest in the nation, called Glad Tidings Tabernacle. They told me, this church has a glass ceiling on it. Nobody has ever, by the time Lynn and I arrived, 70-year history, nobody has ever got through 500. If you get through, it'll quickly plummet down. It was in the red light district of our city, surrounded by drug dealers and crime and all the stuff. It had no car park. It was just nobody will bring their kids. Youth groups can't prosper, etc., etc., etc. You know what? People believed it. Leaders before me believed it. You've got to choose what you believe. You've got to choose what you believe. A different spirit says, well, hang on a minute. Which one is it? Which one? <laughs> There's something wrong with this. Different spirit isn't too concerned what's on the gossip line, not too concerned with the social media, and sometimes you've even got to ignore the secular media. Mainstream media, as we call it. If it conflicts with the word of God, it's wrong. It's wrong. A different spirit. Here's a second thought about a different spirit. We're going to pray for each other in a minute. A different spirit measures challenges differently. Different spirit's the spirit of faith. Oh, God, give us leaders filled with the spirit of faith. That, that can do, let, let's do this, spirit. The, 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 the opposite spirit is the spirit of unbelief. And, and the, uh, the spirit of unbelief looks at problems, looks at the issues, looks at every reason why not, whereas the spirit of faith says we can. Spirit of faith says God is able. The spirit of faith says let's magnify the Lord. You know how you magnify the Lord? You talk about him a lot. You just talk about him. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. You hear a lot of people. You hear a lot of leaders. The problem is, the problem is, the problem is. You know what you just did? You just magnified the problem. I, I need a God that's bigger than my problems because i got lots. I need a big God. Let's magnify him. Let's talk him more and more up. Talk him up, talk him up, talk him up. Praise him. So come back to Numbers 13, verse 33. Listen, listen to these guys. Listen to these leaders. Every now and then, Lynn, somehow, Lynn and the Holy Spirit sound so alike. Don't know how it works, just sometimes they sound so alike. Lynn said to me just recently, listen to the way you're speaking. Yes, Lord. Listen to the way you speak. Do an audit on your conversation sometimes. Listen to verse 33. Listen to how leaders are saying. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. This is one of the most bizarre lines in Scripture. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. That's the issue right there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Like, really? Did they ask them? Hey, you, big guy. <laughs> Me and the boys were just talking. We're wondering how you see us. Seriously. No, no, they, they didn't call them grasshoppers. They See, here's the problem. We see life the way we see ourselves. 
As you know, I spent a long time, I spent 20 years in youth ministry, large chunk of them leading youth alive in this country. I spent so many youth camps and so many youth rallies and concerts telling young people, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're a pre-planned miracle waiting to happen. Ephesians 2.8, Ephesians 2.10. You've got to understand this. Your God has made you unique. You've got to keep telling yourself this. Seriously, you've got to start realizing, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We're not a grasshopper. We're a giant killer. Seriously? The trouble with those kinds of confessions, leaders, listen to me loud and clear. You start talking like that, you know what happens? You affect others. It breeds negativity. It breeds discouragement and doubt all around you. The very next verse, there was no chapters and verses in the original text. And the next verse is chapter 14, verse 1. Straight off the back of, The enemy's too big. The problems are too great. Leaders with that kind of confession, look at how it affects the people. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. i got a question, leader. How do you affect people? What are people like after they spend an hour with you? I live with a mission to pump up people's tires. I want them a little taller, a little more encouraged. Mrs. Sharp, my year nine English teacher, told me that little prefix en means into. Put courage into them. I'm up for the fight because I've been with somebody. However, these leaders, they discouraged, D-I-S, out of, took courage out of people. Listen. People have got battles on every side in life in the 21st century. Leader, you've got one job. Encourage them. Encourage them. They're all the negativities flying left, right and centre. Now, now, now. In the midst of it comes the different spirit. Listen to Caleb speak. He says in verse 30 of chapter 13, he silences the people before Moses, said we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. There were 12 spies. Only two believed they could do it. Here's what I've discovered. We live in a world where people think to be loud is to be right. To be in the majority is to be right. However, here's my assumption after walking on this planet for a few decades. To be right is to be right. It doesn't matter whether you're in the minority or the majority. To be right is to be right. It just so happens, in this case, the minority were right. Leader, you're often the minority. You've got to hold your line. You've got to be the last to blink. If God has said it, God meant it. The majority told the Wright brothers that nothing heavier than air could fly. But I've been to the Smithsonian Institute of Flight in Washington, D.C. It's amazing. There's the, there's the plane. Hang in there. It's incredible. Did you know in 1903, those two boys from the bike shop, from the push bike shop, jumped in their little plane that they built, and it flew 852 feet. That's around about 270 meters for 59 seconds. I worked it out. That's 18 kilometers an hour. Who wants to fly to Sydney in a plane doing 18 kilometers an hour? It's amazing. Everybody said it couldn't be done. But to be right is to be right. You know what's amazing about that whole thing? In the same museum, there's the capsule of Apollo 11. 1903, that flight, 18 kilometers an hour, lasting only 270 meters, 66 years later, just just 66 years later, they put a man called Armstrong on the face of the moon. That stuff doesn't happen if we believe to what everybody's saying. Great churches can't be built in the country if we believe that everybody's saying. Amazing things can't happen in the spirit of the age unless if we start believing what everybody's saying. The majority's not always right. It's the man or woman of God that's got his word burning in their heart that says if God said it, he meant it, and it can be done in Jesus' name.
different spirit knows. You're not too young. You're not too old. See a few people here in the room, baby boomers. Let me tell you something. Stop believing that you've got to now pack it in, fold your cards, just go easy, buy the van and travel, let the young people do some great things in the church. No, now's our time. Come on. Little girl went to her grandma and said, Grandma, I heard people saying you're over the hill. She said, sweetheart, I am, but I only went over the hill to pick up speed. Come on. (laughs) You're not too young. You're not too old. You're not too male. You're not too female. Can we just get on with the job? And until God's done what he said he'd do, we're going to keep believing for more in Jesus' name. God is for you. Who can be against you? I learned it's not the size of the dog in the fight. Size of the fight in the dog. We look like grasshoppers. What a ridiculous thing. I heard about this young girl. If it was a men's event, I'd say I walked into a pub, but it's walked into a coffee shop. <laughs> and she stood at the door and said, Excuse me, does anybody own the Great Dane outside? This big tradie steps up and says, Yeah, well, of course, I own that. You can tell he was a tradie. Hard boots, hard hat, little brother's shorts on. She says, yeah, I own that dog. She says, why? She says, my chihuahua just killed it. And all the tradies and all the mates that loves it. How did, how did your chihuahua kill my big great dane? He got stuck in his throat. You see, it's, you can tell those jokes in the country. It's not, it's not the size of the dog. Oh, we're just a small church plant in the country. Come on. You've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You are anointed by the same Holy Ghost that's anointing the TV preachers around the planet. God is for you. He wants to do great things through you. You've got to believe it. Here's the third thing. It confronts problems differently. Hey, leader, memo to self. Some things can't be ignored. One of my heroes and somebody who's, for me, like a real mentor figure now gone to be with Jesus was Edward Louis Cole, one of the founders of the men's ministry for Christian men. And he used to say, you know what, sometimes silence is golden, other times it's just plain yellow. We've just got to face some challenges. We've just got to take them on. Caleb, the man with a different spirit, I'm going to read you the same verse, this time not from the NIV, but from the New King James. Caleb quietens the people because they're all moaning and groaning and sad because of pessimistic, pathetic leaders. It's all hard. Leader, preacher, stop giving credit to the devil. Stop talking about how good he is and stop talking about what he's doing. You know he got kicked out of heaven because he wanted praise? And some Christians, they wouldn't give him praise, but they'll give him what he'll settle as for his second best. They'll give him attention. Oh, the devil, shut up, stop talking about him. Ignore him. The devil quiets the people and says, let us go, I like this line, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. He knew the best way out was through. Oh, but... Pastor, I've spoken that mountain and said move and it didn't budge. Then get a shovel and shift the sucker. Come on. Let's go up at once. We need that spirit in the ACC. We need that spirit in the kingdom of God in the 21st century. See, a different spirit speaks different. It's got a different accent. I travel fairly often, end up overseas regularly. You go to America, America and the UK, the, the, the Yanks are hilarious. They are just enamoured with our accent. We don't think we've got one. Newsflash, we've got one. Okay? And, and you, get around the, you get around the Americans, you're an arsey. Just say something, brother. Just say something. And you say, oh, fair dinkum, mate. I don't even know what you are. We, we. Like, oh, come on, listen. We just love your accent. Just see, we just love the way you talk. 
you Aussies. I hope the ACC's got an accent. And we can do this. It's void of cynicism. Someone gets up and tears a testimony. Ah, yeah, didn't really happen like that. But it's not, come on, God's good. It believes for the best. It's cheering people on. I want that kind of accent. I don't like that accent. It's almost got a smell about it. Like they walk people like me into corners. So what's really happening? Go away, you pygmy. I can't stand it. I like that. Come on, we can do this. God's good. Yeah, a bad day doesn't mean a bad life. Come on, a bad thing doesn't mean a bad person. Come on. Let's, come on. Help me dust you off. Come on, let's go. Let's do something great for God. That's the accent we need to have. That's the accent that, that is carried by a different spirit. We can do this. We're kingdom people. Listen, Jesus. Matthew 19, powerful thought. Jesus says, with man, not everything's possible. We agree with that? It's true. But with God. I have a theme to ministry one year in my church. It's called, but with God. But with God. With man, not everything's possible. But with God, say it with me, all things are possible. Now, Jesus lived that. With man, you can't pour water into a jug and pour wine out the other side. But with God. With man, you can't feed thousands of people with one boy's lunch. But with God, you can. With man, you can't cause every lame man to walk. But with God, you can. You can't cause every blind man to see. But with God, you can. You can't cause every deaf man to hear. But with God, you can. You can't raise the dead. But with God, you can. Nothing is too difficult for God. That's the accent. That's the heart of a different spirit. See, Levi, you can. I, I know they've just had a banking royal commission. But you know what? With God, you can have the finances to see that dream fulfilled, to put a roof over God's people for the 21st century. Oh, I know there's all sorts of challenges raising kids, but you know what? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You can have kids that are flourishing in life, even though they've been raised in a pastor's house. See, get rid of that cynicism. I'm a preacher's kid. Oh, you know, they're just kids. You just be a good mum and dad. They'll be all right. Just don't let them hear the negative junk about church life. You be a filter, not a sponge. Write that down. That's a takeaway. Don't dump on your kids at the meal table about that demon-possessed board member. You show some leadership and get rid of them. And then talk about good things at dinner time. Seriously. Oh, I need to come to your church. And so, different spirit. Different spirit. Says you can flourish despite your past. I had a brother with me this week. He's going to rock somebody's world. I had a brother whose church is in relationship with ours. Do you know what? Do you know where he spent 12 years of his life? In jail for murder. You know what he's doing today? Pastoring a flourishing church. See, I serve a God that with man, that's a mess. But with God, it's a message. See, that's a different spirit. But with God. But with God. (laughs) Somebody asked me recently, so Wayne, what was the best thing about 2018? You know what I said? December 31. Some of you are at state conference and I told you a little of our story. I've never been hit with so many punches in all my life. And after that state, it continued to get worse. In 10 days, I buried four people close to me, including Lynn's brother, 62, just didn't wake up. My mother, one of my pastors, dropped dead. While we were on our way to my mother's funeral, I got the phone call. And it continued. We had attacks, all sorts of stuff that went wrong. Team members that just went rogue on me. 
we just got the happiest church in town. This doesn't normally happen. Health problems. All sorts of stuff which I just couldn't believe would happen. It happens to other people. But I learned something. Winston Churchill was right. If you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> Hear me, you will come out the other side. You will come out the other side. You've just got to focus on your destiny, not on the problem of the moment. I learned a few things last year. Let me tell you about them. This is, this is where Lynn and I made some choices. We actually made some choices that some things weren't allowed in our front door. Some things wouldn't be discussed in our front door. We're going to guard our hearts and guard our mind. We learnt these things. Keep standing on the word of God. Don't focus on the enemy. Keep your eyes on Jesus. When you get hit, turn the other cheek. Can I tell you, for me, that's just counterintuitive. I'm a fighter. But the Holy Spirit said, do you want to do the fighting or you want me to? I learned that it is possible to let the peace of God rule in your heart and mind. I learned that if you stay generous, you still will reap even in times when it feels like it's drought. I learned that there is something that the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone can do that no other person, no other force, no other factor can do in your life. And if I want to live with another spirit, a different spirit, guess what? I need to fulfill what Paul told me to do, and that is continually be being filled with the Holy Ghost. I need that. That is where the different spirit comes from. It doesn't come from reciting positive things in front of the mirror. It doesn't come from a therapist. It comes from a work of heaven being downloaded in my soul be being filled with the Holy Ghost and if you choose those things guess what you just wait and the consequences will flow let's hit fast forward come with me 45 years later flip from numbers to the book of Joshua this is where it gets really cool really really cool see see Somebody needs to hear me say this today. Your last chapter is not written yet. It's just not written yet. 45 years later, Caleb, the old dog, the old dog goes up to his mate Josh. In Joshua 14, 10 to 13, read it later. I'll read it for you now. He says, now then, Josh, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today. Some, some Bible teachers would suggest that the emphasis on today meant that this is actually his 85th birthday. Here I am today. Like this day I'm turning 85. 45 years. You know what blows my mind? I meet Christians that can't hold on to a promise from God for 45 hours. What did Paul say to Timothy? He said, Timothy, you remind yourself of those prophecies. That word prophecy means revealed word. You were on an altar call one day and somebody put their hand on your head and prophesied. You were reading scripture one day and a verse leapt off the page. You were in a meeting and someone was preaching and you heard something even different to what they said. A song was sung. Somehow God put a promise in your heart. Paul said, you fight off everything like discouragement and doubt with the word of the Lord. Remind yourself, Caleb did that daily for 45 years. Listen to his confession. I love this. I am still as strong today. <laughs> I've been to the gym today, Josh. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous. Check it. Sun's out, guns out, Josh. I'm still as good to go to battle now as I was then. Now, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites were there and the cities were large and fortified, but the Lord, but different spirit. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. I love this. Different spirit has its benefits. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. Guess what? 
Not only did it bless him, but his kids and their kids and their kids and their kids and their kids. See, I'm very, very aware the decisions I make not only affect Lynn and I, but they affect my kids and my grandkids who are all coming to Grandpa's house on Saturday for a birthday party. All there, and possibly their kids and their kids and their kids. Let's stop talking about generational curses and let's flip it and start talking about generational blessings. They're going to happen because we're people that live with a different spirit. My time's up. I need the team to come and join me on stage because we're going to pray for each other tonight. Different spirit, different spirit. What, what, what information have you been receiving that needs a different response than the obvious? What did the bank manager say? What did the doctor say? What did the accountant say? What did the board say? I, I, I believe in good, strong boards. They protect us. I just don't believe in negativity and obstructions to the wills and purposes and plans of God. You've heard it said, but I say, a different spirit, a different spirit. Would you stand? I, oh, man, since the touch of heaven upon us today, I, you know, 2012, I was walking out to speak for my friend Paul de Jong at his conference in New Zealand. It's a big conference. You know, lots of people, you've got a job to do, encourage them in their faith. As I'm walking out, my phone was on silent, but it, I don't do it anymore, but it had that, that little, told you. So I thought, I'll check what that is. I'm walking into the auditorium. I look at this text, and the head of my property team Opening line, Pastor Wayne, it is with regret. You know, the Holy Spirit said, turn it off, turn it off. I've got to read this. It is with regret that I advise you, the sale on our valley property has fallen over 20 minutes before it went unconditional. Now, let me give you the backstory of that. We'd spent $750,000 challenging a heritage listing on a building that was not, not heritage, it was just ugly. We'd had an arson attack on it seven years earlier and it just sat there, rotting. And we honestly felt we'd done the right thing. We challenged it, beat the heritage listing, had to get rid of the toxic soil, had to get rid of the asbestos to clean the site. It cost me three quarters of a million dollars. And I put it all on overdraft, which was smart because I had a $9.8 million sale on the, on the property. Until that text came. I was going to preach on faith that night. Okay. I went back and I told our leaders. And they said, well, Wayne, one guy, and they, they loved me. I got an amazing group of elders. They said, well, Wayne, you rolled the dice. I said, yeah, I know. They said, um, do you want to give us a list of a dozen names on the team that you are going to make redundant? Because we can't trade on with a three-quarters of a million dollar overdraft. Because we'd just taken on another campus and it had required heavy investment as well. Some of you know my season in leadership in the ACC and know that that was a season when we were leading through other financial challenges as well. Dear God, every voice was saying, take the safe road, you're gone, this is embarrassing. Just happened to be our church partners vision night two weeks later. I stood in front of them and I said, here's what's happened. Here's the news I received a fortnight ago. And I'm here tonight to tell you, that I believe God's going to see us through. But if he hasn't, 12 years from today, 12 months from today, one year from today, I'm going to stand before you and tell you to find a new leader. 
<gasps> Walked off stage, I had staff, and I was, you, suck, you can't say that. I said, I, I am. It's my position. And you know what? That thing sat without a contract for two years. But we started to see the thing change and change and change. Just at the end of the third year, got a phone call. Guess what? That land, the best bid we'd ever got was $9.8 million. Do you know how much I sold that same piece of land for three years later? Exactly. We, dropped the, we beat the overdraft. It kept coming down. Sold that same block of land three years later for $20 million. We have 50 to $60 million worth of assets with no debt on it. We just, I was driving down the road in the middle of all of that. I saw a block of land, which I'd actually just laughed about. I said, Lynn, would it be awesome to own that? 17 acres on a six-lane highway for our north campus. We put in a tender. Silly amount, $2.7 million. It's next to a school with 1,200 kids. I had lunch after we bought it with the headmaster. He said we were going to buy it, but we couldn't afford it. Before, before it folded and foreclosed, the owner wanted to sell it to us for $13.4 million. I paid $2.7. Sold an acre and a half back to the school for a million dollars. All that's come as we chose to respond. I, I've got another part of that story which I'm just bound by commercial confidentiality because it's even the best part of the whole story. But we started cutting that soil and we're about to build a $9 million building on that property for cash. Can I tell you something? You're looking at a leader that should have been taken out. Should have been taken out. Every voice inside my head was saying, quit, you're an embarrassment, you've made a mistake. And yet God had put stuff in my heart. I, you listen, just before you clap, you're looking at a preacher's kid. Pastors, listen to me. Some of you have got kids that aren't following Jesus. When I was 18, my father had me by the throat, pinned against the wall with his fist back. He says, there's only one reason I don't kill you tonight. I was a punk. I was terrible at uni. I was terrible. Right away from Jesus. Caused him pain. And I, he says, there's only one reason I don't kill you tonight. God told me you're going to be a preacher and a key leader in this nation. And we just stared at each other. <laughs> Wind the clock forward. 32 years. Brian Houston stands down. Miraculously. Seriously. I step into his shoes. 10 years ago it was. And people at that conference, Wayne Elkhorn's the new leader, they give me high fives and hugs and handshakes. At the end of the line of people that came to congratulate him was my old dad. He walks up to me and he goes, told you. <laughs> that was it. It was pretty emotional. That was it. I said to him a few weeks later, I said, Dad, through all those years, I didn't follow Jesus for a minute in my teens. I got into a lot of trouble, actually. I said, you never panicked. No. I said, why? Listen to what he said. Parents, listen. I committed you to God when you were a baby. He said, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him. Seriously, hold on and respond to what you're seeing. Respond to what you're hearing with a different spirit. The spirit of faith. Can I pray for you tonight? Across this room, there's leaders that have got financial challenges. If that's you, raise your hand. Some of you have got health challenges. If that's you, raise your hand. Come on, just raise them up to heaven. Some of you have got problems with your kids or marriage or family situations. If that's you, raise your hands to heaven right now. Some of you have got property challenges. You don't know the way through. Would you raise your hands if that's you? Just raise them high. Raise them high. Look beside you, look near you, look in front of you. There's somebody with their hands raised. They need you ministering to them right now. Put your hand upon their shoulder. Reach across to them. Tell them, I'm standing with you right now. Come on, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. Before we do, I'm going to pray over you, my friend. With a whisper that maybe only heaven hears, not even the people beside you. I just want you to tell the Lord what it is. And I want you to vow in your heart that you're going to respond to this situation with a different spirit. 
That giant can come down, that giant must come down, and that property is yours. That, that blessing is yours. That destiny is yours in Jesus' name. And we minister now in the name of Jesus. And we stand with you in agreement for that breakthrough. We stand with you in agreement for that miracle. We stand with you in agreement that God is going to come through. With man, this may be not possible, but with God, nothing is impossible. And we speak life into the impossibilities. We speak life into these bodies. We speak life into these finances. We speak life into these families. We call these backslidden kids home tonight. We pray over those family situations. We pray peace in the midst of your storm we pray you'd live with a different spirit i agree with you pastor for breakthroughs in finances and property god is for you he's a good god and he is jehovah jireh now can we all raise our hands to heaven come on for a minute it's out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks we want to have that different accent the accent of faith the different accent that's positive that's filled with the goodness of god it's filled with the word fill us again lord fill the well of our spirit with the holy ghost god life power joy peace holy ghost fill us again in the name of jesus bless your people Cause us to say full of faith. We agree in Jesus' name. Come on, worship him with this song.